0: This is your host Shashank Shekhar and welcome to another episode of Shashank Redemption. Thank you everyone and uh, welcome back to Shashank Redemption. Today I have a very special guest John Green, he is the co-founder and CEO at Nada, which is a real estate investing company, but but with a twist that I haven't, I haven't personally seen before. So really cool stuff that they are doing uh, there at Nada. So we will talk more about the journey, about what Nada does, and how is it radically different than everything else that I've seen in the Prop Tech and FinTech space. And that's why I'm I'm so excited to talk to John, is because This is one of the episodes where you're going to learn a lot about just how how to build a company, how to create differentiation, and of course, John's journey himself. So, uh, welcome to the show, John. Uh, Thank you,
1: Shashank. I I really appreciate the opportunity to to join you.
0: Of course, it's it's uh, it's amazing to have you. I mean, you are the kind of leaders that uh, that the listeners of the podcast learn from, and. I'm so grateful that that you took time out to uh, to talk to us here, um, no, John. Absolutely. Before um, before I get into Nada, which I'm super excited to talk about, because as was saying just a few seconds earlier, this is a platform like unlike anything that I've seen before. Uh, let's talk about you for a while. I, I know you were at you were at Pacific Union. I think that's where you kind of got into the mortgage real estate space, so to say. But um, tell tell our uh, listeners a little bit more about your journey all the way leading up to. Uh, Starting and founding Nada,
1: yeah, absolutely. My mine's one that's a little less, uh, you know, less common. I I, so I'm from a very small town in North Louisiana, one that was really (laughs) void of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, my way out was really my first experience in creating value for myself and and understanding that. And and it was uh, oddly enough, I, I started a punk rock band with a few friends and we were fortunate enough to be signed by a, by a sizable record label. And I, I got to do that in my early twenties. I uh, was a recording and touring punk rocker. Uh, so, uh, that really created and instilled in me a lot of what it takes to create and, and you know, the value of community and the and the grit and grind to see something through, you know, uh, spin it forward. It's uh nearly two decades later, this, Perhaps it's still a little bit of a punk rocker in me. <laughs> um, but you know I, I I took that into my career. I, I did start first in mortgage banking. I worked um I, you know for for Washington Mutual, Wamu, uh, and then through the acquisition of Chase, I, I got into working at Chase and then and then I did spend a time in the uh, uh independent mortgage company space. Uh, you know, and, and so from that journey of punk rocker to mortgage banker, if you will, I uh, you know kind of went ran the gamut. I I had the opportunity to start in sales on a pre-crisis in the mortgage industry, and then uh, pivot into uh, risk in uh, kind of uh, processing, management, risk control, assessment functions, and, and then ultimately what I was uh, more akin to doing was strategy and innovation for some of the top independent mortgage companies. You know, where I was working with the leadership teams, the ownership teams, trying to structure new business ventures, adopt emerging technologies. But ultimately, you know, I had a first hand, you know, first row seat into really what today's consumer was looking for and access to assets and really financial freedom. And just some of the legacy systems that were prohibiting that uh you know in spite of some of the great people and uh you know and their efforts and so that's what really led me to the to the realization to to create data to to try to address these problems these inefficiencies
0: and in, and in talked about grit and grind and it's so surprising because a lot of people think that the industry knowledge or the or the skills within the industry itself is is uh so important and critical and while it is and you went through your your own share of experience on that side. But mm-hmm. uh, just the grit and grind, the two words that you mentioned is so important as as a founder of a startup. I mean, Nada is what about three, four years old right now. So it's That's our, yeah. a baby, so to say, from, from, <laughs> yes. from that perspective. Um, but tell me a little bit more about the fact that, tell me a little bit about inefficiencies because you came from uh, Pacific Union, you came from... Being a strategic advisor to other, say, real estate and banking firms, mm-hmm. uh, before you started it, what kind of inefficiencies that you were seeing that led you to to
1: start a company like Nada? Well, really, you would it, it kind of runs the gamut in terms of, you know, from a simplistic standpoint, this separation between um, s- segments of industry like real estate and mortgage, as if the two are not you know directly interconnected. You know, that that creates an information gap just across those two sectors within that furthers the financial literacy gap that most consumers, uh, you know, in my opinion, have when it comes to really understanding how to maximize and access real estate assets and, and the wealth that can be created within it. So you, so you have these the, these sectors of industry that are very separated and silos and fractions, you know, and things that have just built up over time. Which ultimately, in my opinion, create information gaps uh, in, in, in effect some, some areas of you know, what you might refer to as gatekeepers of industry. Uh, so so what, what I realize, and, and my co-founder Mauricio was shared in, is this realization that uh, these markets, you know, uh, really surrounding the financial system surrounding real estate assets, were really being taken advantage of by the industry insiders. Uh, you know, and really the wealthy. And so that's something that we're both drawn to is really demystifying some of the um, unnecessarily uh, complicated uh, structures of industry, even terminology, you know, the word mortgage is not a very relatable word. It's a pretty negative word okay. core sense. So, so really, really just breaking that down to the fundamentals and, and really driven by this purpose of leveling the playing field. To distill that information in a way that was understood uh, with comfort and and confidence for the everyday consumer to access real estate in different ways, uh, from fractional ownership to uh, you know online retail investing, uh, you know into real estate and different assets. To and, and that's fundamentally what's driven us. So the development of products and the dissemination of information.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and something that. That I have seen. I mean, I I started Insta Mortgage um, in 2008. When all of us know, if, if mortgage is a bad word now, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was probably the ugliest word, so to say. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Globally, not just here in the U.S. Yeah. And one of the first things that that I quickly kind of started working on was creating that level playing field, field so to say, by by educating clients. My my focus then and even now is. Uh, first-time home buyers as and even from a company perspective. And we have spent, I started blogging in 2009, when probably less than 10 people within this space were mm-hmm. blog, blogging then. And since we have created a ton of content. And and so let's on, on that note, let's let's talk about Nada in terms of creating that level playing field, so to say, about not just having industry insiders have access mm-hmm. to some of that equity or how to tap into that, that wealth. Which is what exceeding what two trillion dollars in with, with the U.S. households now. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Nara. This this concept is because uh, when I found out about it a few months back, I was like, this is this is a very very cool concept. So instead Thank of me you. telling about it, uh, you of course created this thing. So so walk us through first just the basics of Simba. If somebody has not heard of of the company before. Uh, what would you tell in uh, say in a few sentences? What does Nara do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so NADA is, you know, at its core, we are an investment finance and banking platform um, that's built for the purpose of making real estate assets more accessible to everyone. So, that's just fundamentally what we are. Mm -hmm. Um, As a mission, as a company, you know, our core focus is to create products and experiences over transactions that further this unlocking of assets and financial freedom. And so our our, our core products are really solving two two key problems by unlocking access to that, you know, 20 trillion plus homeowner equity market. Um, It it is a two-sided problem, two-sided marketplace. On, On one side, you have the homeowner that, especially today, has built up equity, you know, the largest asset on most consumers' balance sheet. Uh, You know, yet it's fundamentally inaccessible, Um, you know, unless they're taking on more debt, uh, they're selling their entire home, you know, are these very compromising positions. And on the other side, you have your everyday consumer investor that generally is is locked out of real estate. Of course, we have REITs that have been around for some time and there, there are some great REIT products to invest in. But that's a bit of an opaque investment, not very intuitive, not very accessible from an information and understanding standpoint. Uh, So, so you have this lock of retail investors getting access, and then specifically not having access to to homeowner equity uh, in in a simple uh, manner. So, so we we've built this platform that solves these two problems in a way that creates value on both sides without really taking advantage of either. That's a very important purpose driven. Uh, focus we have here. And so if you're a homeowner, we have our uh, Visa debit card, which is a home equity debit card. And this makes it possible for a homeowner to access and spend fractions of their home equity for everyday spending. Uh, It's a great product to offset inflation, uh, to just generally diversify and access more assets in terms of spending. And in, in doing so, we're not adding, their, this is a true equity investment, it's not a debt product. So the owner is retaining the full ownership benefits of you know, equity upside and ownership rights in the home, yet they're accessing equity uh, to spend and access, you know, and diversify their, their, their money in any way possible. And on the other side, we have launched a series of uh, real estate investment funds Uh, These funds, we refer to them as city funds and a city fund makes it possible for any investor accredited or not to buy and sell shares of a top city's home equity market. So for example, we've launched Austin city fund, Dallas city fund, Miami, Las Vegas. Each city fund is designed as an index like vehicle. To represent that single city's residential real estate homeowner equity market. And so by us diversifying these pools of funds made accessible to retail investors, that's how we're able to get the primary financing to then issue to homeowners the home equity investments that they can access on their Visa debit card. So you have liquidity for homeowners without debt, with cashback earnings, all the the benefits of a specific banking-type function, while you're also opening a market to any retail investor, credit or not, to invest in a top city for as little as as $250.
0: So walk me through this, because this is ingenious, so to say, is because, as you rightly mentioned, that the $20 trillion uh, equity kind of, I wouldn't say stays untapped, but you have to go through this process, as you rightly mentioned, of taking a HELOC from it, or of course, I mean, you can just sell the, the real estate, which you may or may not want to do it. Um, walk me through a, how a homeowner will will actually use this. So say if I'm a homeowner, have a $2 million home, $800,000, say mortgage on it, have the sitting 1.2 million equity, so sort to of say. Uh, if I wanted to tap into that with with something as simple as it sounds like. A, a Visa debit card. Which congratulations! I know that you launched that that recently, which is a serious upgrade, of course, in terms of consumer experience of being able to tap into it. But um, John, just walk, uh, just walk through how would would a homeowner kind of come to Nara, and how would the process look like for them to be able to tap in with with a with a debit
1: card here in this case? Yeah. yeah. So. The, the way it, it is on a home-by-home home basis and how we're underwriting, we are underwriting more the collateral and the equity position than we are the consumer. So it, it's, it's, we offer and extend this through our centralized mortgage loan sales team. It's, it's a product that we extend. It's just this is an equity side financing product to where obviously traditionally uh, we've been selling debt financing products on the same asset. And if a homeowner wants to access a fraction of equity, there's certain basic qualifying criteria, such as their combined link to value that we're willing to tap into per market. Um, in, in most cases, we can go up to 90%. And uh, it's a matter of taking the property value, which we do an AVM model to make it fast. Consumers have the optionality to upgrade to a field appraisal if they feel more comfortable doing so very similar to how any type of mortgage product would exist in that, in that regard. And the way that we're pricing it to protect our investors is we're saying the, the face value, the market value of the home is at a 10% risk adjusted discount value. That's the agreed upon value. And then whatever percent of equity you're trading is what you're, you know, you're getting an option uh, advanced payment for that in exchange. We're getting that option agreement that we can exercise down the road in either a 10 year term or what's most common is, is when you sell the home, uh, you know, in the next four to five years, or if you choose to do a refinance, in which case you could pay out the option um, at that point. But the, the consumer is the homeowner is receiving cash upfront and we are effectively becoming a, a co-investor alongside them in the home. And it's a true equity investment so there is the risk that we do carry that if the home value does depreciate, mm-hmm. we would share in the loss as well.
0: Which is pretty amazing to think is because, I mean, when you go and and get say a home equity line of credit, I mean, that's not going to go down just because your home value went down. Right. I mean, if you took, took a $300,000 home equity line of credit, that's a debt that you're carrying and you're promising to pay the full three hundred thousand dollars, with with whatever interest. Uh, what you're saying at, at NADA Nara is that you are, s- so to say, becoming partners in the in the appreciation or depreciation. If that happens, uh, the value goes down. But but you're kind of equally invested um, on both the real estate cycles, and um, which is I mean, which is quite incredible. Is because at the end of the day, you would think that that's our base value. Like if you're taking hundred thousand dollar out. That's our base value. We will come, We will be part of, of anything that goes up. But you're on your own if something goes down,
1: right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so and that's the true nature of the equity investment piece. Is you know we share in the upside and the downside, uh, which makes it more flexible. And uh, you know you flip that to a, an, an investor side point of view. Um, then you have you know, and Austin is our best market. I mean, everyone's still really drawn to to Austin in terms of investing into it. And it's a market that has a very simple issue that I know you'd be very familiar with considering your experience in the industry. It's it's a very simple supply-demand-side issue. We we, we can't manufacture more land. Um, And as such, there's such limited supply. Yet you have homeowners that have realized great equity appreciation. Mm -hmm. So by unlocking this asset, uh, there's a tremendous appetite for investors just to participate in that. That otherwise they, they don't have access to, and so we don't need to go out and create alpha or be over aggressive in terms of, you know, some type of multiples on our share of appreciation, uh, and still very much satisfy uh, the investor side of the market.
0: So usually, I mean, you will see some great startups on the prop tech and fintech, and, and I've been in the industry long enough, um, and, and I, I know a ton of founders. They usually have one great product or, or one great, say, customer base that they're trying to help um, unlock some of the things that was not possible before. But with the way I see it is that you're not just helping the homeowners tap into that equity with something as simple as, as a debit card, but you're also helping so-called retail investors, small investors. They may not be either they probably don't know about REITs or something that they don't feel very comfortable investing in that might be, um, I don't know, too much of jargons, too much of stuff that Mm -hmm, they don't mm -hmm. understand, but something as simple as investing in markets like Austin or Nashville or Tampa and Dallas with what 20% plus kind of a growth kind of markets with as little as $250. I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's an amazing thing that was really we've really had an opportunity to see the growth of that, that retail investor market. And it, it's virtue of the Jobs Act, uh, which created uh, SEC exemptions for private companies to, to have uh, public offerings for items such as real estate investment funds that they could extend to, to you know accredited or non-accredited investors and yet maintain a private uh, you know, company standpoint past their entity so we've realized that from you know the you there's a ton of platforms that are doing all types of alternative assets that are now made more accessible there's uh you know public.com recently acquired a company called otis which is doing some interesting things around uh you know, more various asset types mm-hmm. and so seeing that and understanding the growth and awareness of that market and then really just say, saying that okay a, a reIT can be managed great but it's very much this you know, siloed information. There's an expert on the other side, and as a consumer, you're you know you're you're saying I'm going to trust the expert. In, in this case, we're saying, hey, we're investing in the majority stock of of the housing supply in this specific city, alongside homeowners. And it's a simple, intuitive decision of Do you think investing in fractions of homes in Austin is a good investment? Yes, no. We're making that very simple decision possible, and it's attracting quite a bit of investors on platform. Um, we are a company that has regular SEC filings. So we are, at, even at this stage, we mm-hmm. are far more advanced in that regard that it's some of the experience that Mauricio, my co-founder and I've had that, that really helped us be better positioned for that. Um, it, to where you know it's, it's a regulation A exemption that makes it possible for us to accept up to 75 million from retail investors on a rolling 12 month basis.
0: So talk to me about the fact that um, you you have all these um, homeowners as as part of NADA. And then uh, you have, of course, the, the, the real estate investing platform. What's next? I mean, do you think in terms of products, does bringing mortgage in some form make sense for NADA down the road? Because you have all this database of people where you probably know where their first mortgage rates are. Um, mm-hmm. And as of now, if they have to refinance, they have to pay off the second. But maybe do something on the on the balance sheet where they don't have to pay off, say another second or something. Is is that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that something on the roadmap that that Nada it, is thinking about?
1: It, it actually it's it's something that we've already established. So oh, okay. we 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 have a, a fully operating mortgage brokerage, and so because the home equity investment is not a debt product, it's not. On a state-by-state basis, there's not clear um, regulatory guidelines. There is precedent and acceptance of these type of real estate contracts. But it, it, us, we're very much a uh, risk-first, compliance-first company in how we build and release products. And so we've taken the stance that in any market, we are extending home equity investments to consumers. We're only doing so through licensed mortgage loan officers uh, because we're of the belief that that's the most qualified individual mm-hmm. to extend such a product. And, and so, yeah, we have an amazing team, uh, you know, our, our head of sales Sundance Brennan uh, had, you know, his built and led sales teams for Quicken, uh, Loan Depot, you know, he's, he's got a, a, a great team and a great reputation. So that is absolutely something that we have in place. And the, the debit card product that we offer is attached to any type of, of really real estate based financing. So even today, as we're pivoting on the debt side into more of a cash-out market as opposed to rate term, we are still offering incentives to our clients that if they're getting, say, a $50,000 cash-out balance, we'll give them the option to accept that balance on a not a debit card and to earn 1% cash back on the total amount that they've received. And we're able to do that because of our Visa partnership and the revenue share that we gain on the interchange rates from merchants. And so we're trying to create that really, we, we see it as, you know, we're delivering experiences over transactions in, in any regard.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that with, with practically everything that you're doing. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit, John, here and talk more from, from a founder perspective of mm-hmm. the journey from thinking about the the concept we talked about briefly on, on how you figured out some of the inefficiencies within the within the marketplace and then then went on to um, to start nada but let's i mean nothing happens overnight nothing goes mm-hmm. smoothly as probably both of us know and a lot of people listening to this this podcast would know if they have been uh, they have been in the startup space or they have been trying to start a company uh, talk to us about about how uh, how did you come to where 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 you are with nada and and some of the early challenges that uh, you faced whether in terms of selling the idea to people, or raising funds, or really anything that that you can talk about in terms of entrepreneurial journey in the last four
1: years. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point, and it's something that I believe is not shared as much as it should be. So I really appreciate the, this platform for that. Sure. You know, I I would say if if you're going to to start something, then you really need to fundamentally believe in it. In my case, you need to, in some extent, have experienced and understood your problems. And if you don't have that conviction and and really that grit behind what you're doing, it's going to come through, whether it's in an investor or partner meeting, it's going to be a blocker, or to what becomes very critical as you begin to grow in your culture and the team that you surround yourself with. If you're not firm in who you are and what you believe in, then it's hard to imagine you're going to be able to surround yourself with people that share in that. And that without that, that makes success very complicated. The reality is that that's not a measurable, quantifiable mm-hmm. process to build culture and conviction. It, it is something that you arrive at only through uh, reflection and and really dedication to listening, to understand, to your, to your peers and your customers. Uh,
0: how about the co-founder, John? One of the questions that, that I get asked a is, lot, and I have I have little experience with it because I, I started on my own, I've kind of stayed that way. But one question that I get asked a lot about people thinking of starting something on their own is that what are the pros and cons of having a co-founder? And I um I mean I can I can theorize what it could be, but I haven't mm-hmm. lived that life. You have. Walk us through if someone had that option. Would should they should they take that? And if they do, then what are the things they should look for in, in a co-founder when while thinking of starting a company?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm in a very fortunate position. I <laughs> I have a co-founder that is uh I, amazing an experience in Mauricio and, and in alignment and vision. So it, it really fundamentally goes back to really being comfortable in your own skin and who you are. And so that when you are getting to know someone in the capacity of a co-founder doing this, there mm-hmm. is probably no more intimate uh, relationship than, than perhaps <laughs> your, your spouse or your therapist
0: yeah. than
1: that of a co-founder. So mm-hmm. you need to understand that this is a person that you're likely going to be that, that bonded with. In my, if, if you're going to have success, you know, in, in, in my case, uh, Mauricio and I have very diverse backgrounds. You know, I'm from this small rural town in North Louisiana. He's a immigrant from Mexico that, you know, has done. He went to Stanford. He dropped out at 19, started his first company.
0: He wow. failed
1: fast. He's <laughs> he one of the rare few that got back into Stanford. And then he went to Wall Street, joined Lehman and experience the walkout there uh, <laughs> to then come back to consumer finance, you know, and, and has uh, just an amazing career. But at, at its core, like what we're driven by is, is creating something that is is delivering value and really understanding that value and not for gratification standpoint, but just for understanding the problem and the value that we're delivering and that's what consistently drives and bonds us. And it gets very challenging at times. There are very it is an absolute roller coaster. You know There are highs and lows at all points. And so having someone there that really aligns with you on the core fundamental goals and the drivers uh, is paramount. But if you have that, I believe that it it really maximizes your potential output.
0: Yeah, so well said. Um in just on on the um kind of wrapping up here, we are coming to the end of time. Where yeah. uh, let's talk about future a little bit, John here. Is that where um, do you see Nada doing of course in a in in a fast-moving prop tech space? I, I shouldn't probably be asking you three or five years. I'm sure you have thought about <laughs> that, But let's yeah. let's talk yeah. about. Uh, I mean, because when people ask me, where do you want to be in five years? It's like, okay, let's, let's talk about the next five months and then we'll talk about <laughs> the next five yeah. years later. Yeah. But where yeah. do you see NADA uh, uh, specifically, but generally the prop tech space, I mean, uh, tech slash FinTech space, it has had a fair share of turmoil recently without naming yeah. names in the industry here. Yeah. And so where do you see um, both NADA and the space itself, uh, say over next, next, I don't know, year or two?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly market volatility. And you could say market correction, but you know, however you look at it, there, in my opinion, there is this definitive drive to look into companies in any and any capacity to see what fundamental value, what job to be done are you solving? And I think any company needs to really focus on that. You know, not just exploiting market opportunities or um, taking advantage of of these opportunities for really delivering meaningful value Mm -hmm. that that, that's how we view this and and so I this is a massive market and so we very much are driven by inspiring and being inspired by our peers and trying to bring up other folks into this industry to move it forward with the right mindset Uh, so that's something that's important to us as a company is to grow together. There's no silliness in presuming there's any winner-take-all on anything in this market. And you know, to be more specific to NADA, uh, you know, where we want to take our products, in particular, the city funds, is each city fund is an individual vehicle. There's mm-hmm. not They're not cross-collateralized. And so we intend to list each city fund publicly to where any retail investor could simply access Austin City Fund, Las yeah. Vegas City Fund, Mm-hmm. You know, in and, and whatever trading app they would like to, we want to make that more accessible and we have an eye towards doing so. And in terms of access to home equity or, you know, kind of opening up other alternative assets in the same way, we want to make it as simple as, as individuals moving money out of their savings into their checking so that they can access that uh, to really cover everyday costs and be better prepared in times of, you know, financial stress and, and inflation that we're facing today. And so we we're really focused on advancing that for for in terms of greater access and um, you know consumer good.
0: I, I really love everything that you've done with nada. I mean starting with a very minimalistic style so to say from 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 logo mm-hmm. design to to the tagline to the website and the products itself it's uh, I think the core value that you provide is is not just, the value that they get from your products, but the the simplistic, minimalistic mm-hmm. way of being able to access it. I think I think that's a big play for Nada here is not that people were not able to access, say, home equity before or investors were not in a position mm-hmm. to invest in real estate mm-hmm. before. But the way uh, you have done it and your co-founder has done it, and your team has done it is, is incredible is because I think it shows in everything that you're doing that that minimalistic approach or simplistic approach is what... Drives retail people is because um, because in my own experience that that's what I've seen is that otherwise mm-hmm. even though it's it's one of the best investments or something that you can tap into uh, nobody wants more debt debt nobody wants more complicated way of doing it is because ninety eight percent of the population probably does not understand uh, understand that so so kudos on building on <laughs> that John um, thank you that means a lot
1: that,
0: yeah this is um, I mean we need. Founders like you, we need pioneers like you. We have had um, some other guests on this podcast who are who are doing something simple, uh, similar on mm-hmm. a very different field. Of course, not uh, not in the same line as you, but but I'm always inspired by by entrepreneurs like you who are trying to take uh, huge problems, but really finding easy, simple, um, and and easy to understand kind kind mm-hmm. of solutions So so thank you for doing that for for everyone really, and uh, wish you the best with Nada and and hopefully see you at uh, NYSE or NASDAQ sometime soon. <laughs> 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 That's on the company's roadmap. I'm sure you will get there, but yeah. uh, but thanks for sharing your, your story, Nada's story. And
1: oh, thank uh, you for the opportunity.
0: Yes. And listeners, you, you just heard uh, John Green, CEO and co-founder at Nada talking about the fact that you don't build product or technology for product or technology's sake, but actually to solve real life problems, which, uh, Uh, which he, of course, experienced being part of the industry before, but that's how you build long-lasting company that adds value to its customers every day, and not just a company that's trying to uh, be opportunistic, as you said, is in a certain environment, because you will do well for a year or two until that opportunity exists, and then, then you will lose value, and then you will lose relevance. So... Thank you again, John. And then thank you uh, all of you for tuning into this latest uh, episode of Shashank Redemption with your host here, Shashank Shekhar and with our special guest, John Green, CEO and co-founder at NADA. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Shashank Redemption with your host, Shashank Shekhar. Be sure to follow, subscribe and review and check out
1: shashankredemption.com to connect with me.